ready for Christmas. It's, it's coming whether we're ready or not, right? Uh, I just want to pray over your family. I feel like I was supposed to do that. So Father, right now, I just bless every family here. Everyone that's on Facebook Live, we bless their families right now. I ask that you bring a closeness and a unity and a hope into their home right now in Jesus' name. I ask that you would lift every heavy burden. I ask that you would take ownership of every area of our lives. We love you, Jesus, and we ask that you would be seated on the throne of our homes. And I ask that you would rearrange things in the order that you see fit. How many would agree to that? God, we give you permission to rearrange our families and our lives into any order in which you seem fit. And we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. I do want to pray for um, uh, the Smith family. For those of you that do know Ron Smith and and uh, Chris and Stephen, they were we were best buds in high school. I mean, we started Bible studies and played football together. And Ron was Sunday school teacher for a lot of some of you in this room. And Ron wasn't just a Sunday school teacher that would come in and read. The, the page. He spent a lot of time in it. He would study and spend time and have discussions, and he would get on the level of the, of the junior high class, which is mostly what he taught junior high and high school. And Ron passed away uh, recently. I, I don't even know all the details. I just know that he was missing for, for some time, and they did find him, and he has passed away. And I just want to honor what Ron sowed. Like, I feel like it's really important to honor the good things that people do. And so I, I just say this right publicly. We honor Ron Smith and the, the seeds that he sowed into lives of people in this room. We were talking before service. Jason was like, man, one of the most impactful people in my young life was him teaching me to study the word. And a lot of people had that feeling. And Ron, he was just a good guy, you know, and, and it shocked me. Uh, we were talking on the way to church here about Ron and, and I didn't know he had passed away until, until we got here. And so I feel so bad for Chris and Stephen and for Mary um, and for their extended family. I feel horrible for them. Ron was only not even 70 years old. I mean, he was a young man. Like, he was the same age as my dad, right? Um, and so I just want to pray for their family. God, we, you are the God of comfort. And there's no, no words that we can give. There's no comfort we can give. But Jesus, you're the comfort. You can bring comfort and Holy Spirit, you are the comforter. You can bring comfort to the whole family. And so we just ask that you would be with him right now in this, this hard season. I ask that you would um, heal their hearts and as they mourn. I ask that they would mourn with you and not away from you. Hmm. And I ask that you would walk with them through this season. And we just bless what, what, what uh, Ron and the Smith family has done and sown. We bless the seed that they've sown in lives. I ask that they, would, that they would see an increase in a prosperity from that in their families, in their sons and daughters. I ask that you would bless them uh, and everyone connected to this situation. Just be with them right now. I don't even know what to say. It's shocking. Um, but Holy Spirit, I ask that you would comfort them right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm glad you're here today. Good to see you guys. Uh, we're, we're back, doing well. We never actually got tested for anything, um, but assumptions were made. Josiah and Matthias spent the night with family, and three out of four of that family tested positive for COVID. And so um, while Josiah and Matthias were there with them, so we found out on Monday that many people that we were around uh, had, had the virus. So 
Josiah began to have fever on Monday, and he had fever for like 10 or 11 days in a row, nonstop. Um, so anyway, it wasn't that big of a deal for him, young and healthy. And so um, I don't know if anyone else had it. We had, I had some minor symptoms, nothing, nothing to be shocked about. But um, we played it safe. So thank you all for doing so awesome in our place. We miss being here. Like it was like caging a, a, a tiger at home. Like I can't stand being locked up in the house for that long. And because I know what it means. Mandy's like, you're home. You can paint. Yeah, you're home. You can build something you've never built before. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Now I'm like, oh, babe, I think I got COVID. <laughs> hey, you're home. You can come stand outside and look at the house, and we can dream of what we're going to paint and do outside. I'm like, oh, we haven't even finished inside yet. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun times. And, and uh, the couple of trips to the hardware store, I'm like, please talk to me. Somebody talk to me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's good to be back out here. And um, I just want us to, to go for it. In, in our lives to go after the Lord. Like being closed in for, for that amount of time and, and just around the same people every day. And they were saying that about me, like, all right, dad, you're driving us nuts. You're driving us crazy. And I know I can. Um, I know that I can be moody. A, a lot of you may not see that side of me or, or maybe you haven't been around me in those seasons, but I do have moody seasons. And it's probably always been that way. Um, when I was when I was growing up, my dad would always say I was very sensitive and, and um, I was emotional. And it's true. And it is how God made me. Um, but sometimes we can let our emotions and our, our sensitivities drive us in directions and, and down rabbit holes. And I just wanted to talk about that today, that um, kind of how I process Again, you may not believe that or know that about me, but my, my family can testify that I'll have these every couple of months where I will get moody and usually it manifests in frustration or um, discouragement or I don't feel like I'm accomplishing anything. And it's a, it's a regular thing with me. I'll go through seasons and I'll be completely fine and then one little thing will trigger me and I'll begin to, to go down the comparison rabbit hole and I start looking at other pastors and churches and ministries and, and I get jealous, not in a good jealousy. And I get judgmental, not in a healthy judgment. And I wonder why, why not me? Why, why, what's going on? What's wrong with me? And I, I don't do that often, but you know, you do fine and you get around other pastors and they're like, well, how's your church going? And then the next question is, how many people do you have? And then, and then how's the offerings? That's, that's all they really care about. And I'm like, yeah, nine out of 10 times. I'm like, oh, things are going great. God is faithful. And then that one time I go away and I'm like, yeah, I want more. And it's a real cry of my heart. It's, I don't think it's a bad thing for me to want more for our church, but when I go through these, these seasons, I get very grumpy. And uh, I've even told Chris, when, when Chris would be doing a lot of work around here, if I would, I, I didn't tell him this is what was going on, but sometimes I would hide. And I would be like, I, I just don't want to talk to anyone right now. It's, it's, it's actual work for me to be nice right now. Like, I'm not a nice person. And it's better for me, 
I'm, t- I'm, I'm opening up today. I got permission from Mandy that I can open up and talk about this stuff because it's very important that we process together and, and we've processed this. So um, Mandy, she's not in here. She, we, I've already gone through all this with her. She goes, yeah, I think that that is something that you do go through. And I don't know if I really understood it before. And, and so sometimes I would hide. Other times what I would do is I'd find a project that's really not that important and want to do that project or it's not at the top of the list, like people that work with me know. Like, I don't know why, I just gotta rearrange the chairs in the sanctuary. They, they look perfectly fine, but I've gotta move them two inches somewhere because I have to see something accomplished. And so I wanna talk today about kind of what that looks like to process through this. First of all, I wanna say this, it is perfectly normal for people to have those feelings. Like you're not a bad Christian if you experience discouragement, and if you sometimes even, we shouldn't let ourselves get into depression, but you can be a Christian and fall into depression. Like, it doesn't mean you're not spiritual, and I don't even know why I'm doing this today. Like, literally, I have 15 other things I would much rather talk about, but the Lord told me to do this, and told me to tell people in advance, and post it on Facebook that I would be sharing this today, so that now I'm trapped, I have to preach it, you know? I don't know why, but I, I feel like it's important. Maybe it's for someone very specific in this room. Maybe it's someone on Facebook. But I don't want you to feel like you're, you're a, an unbeliever or a weak Christian or less than because you battle these emotions or feelings. But I want to walk through how, how we, because I am one of those people that I have to manage this really well in my life. Or I will, I will withdraw completely into myself and I will not want to talk to anyone. I won't want to answer my phone. I won't want to answer the door when people come. I'm like, oh my God, who's at our door? Why are they at my door? Why are they knocking on our door? Like, I don't want to talk to people. And so let's process through this. Would you open your Bible to Psalm 94, verse 19? Psalm 94, verse 19. And then we're also uh, going to be in Psalm 27 later. So Psalm 94, verse 19. And this is just where I wanted to launch from. And this is the Passion Translation. And it says, whenever my busy thoughts were out of control. How many have ever been there? All right. Let me just pray. God, I ask that you would anoint me to say what I need to say and anoint our hearts to hear what we need to hear. I ask that it would bring lasting breakthrough and change in our lives, that we will take control and steward our emotions and our mental health. In Jesus' name, amen. Whenever my busy thoughts were out of control, the soothing comfort of your presence calmed me down. How many remember when, when Saul would be tormented by demons? He would be just absolutely tormented by evil spirits, and he would call upon David to come and play his harp, and the anointing would come over David, and David would, David would play skillfully. He would play this beautiful song, and it would soothe the demons that were tormenting Saul. So that's what the presence of God does for us. When we go through these seasons, and I'll go through some cures to these moments later, but, but man, his presence is the only thing that can lift these blue clouds away from us. I don't know if some, someone may, have, I feel like someone here in the room has been in a long season of this and the Lord wants you to know today it's over you're you're gonna get back to yourself today amen you calmed me down with your presence and overwhelmed me with delight in my soul you brought delight 
And I mean, delight, it has the word light in it. You enlightened my soul. You brought life and light inside of me. And as I was saying, you know, struggling through these feelings, struggling through these emotions are normal. And I would say that most of the time I'm a, I'm a marathon runner. I can run, run fast. I can do the same thing over and over again and be fine. But there are those seasons where you have those dips. And when you face tough decisions, you feel overwhelmed and you, you just want to hide. How many of you have ever had a really hard decision? And instead of making a decision, and you just want to stop and hide. Like, this is too difficult. I understand that. I feel like that's happened more than any of the other issues that I've struggled with in the last three or four years. That one right there has sent me into this, this mood more than others. I have a very difficult decision in front of me, and I don't know what to do. And I ask the Lord, I seek the Lord, and I still don't know what to do, and I just want to, I want to give up. Well, the Lord says he's going to help us through that, all right? Whenever... Whenever we look around and we see the world, whenever we see our country, when we see the church as a whole in the condition it's in, I can get very frustrated because I expect more out of the church. I expect more out of, the, not our church, the church. Like there's this new, and, and I, I have a, a message on this later, but there's this new woke Christianity that's not Christianity at all. It's just not Christianity. Like, you can't water down the, the truth of the gospel. And when I see that, I, I, I will go into this shell. I'm just going to go through a couple of things. How many have ever done this? You pour out your heart to a friend. You reach out, and they don't reach back the same way you reached out, and it hurts. Or me as a pastor, new people will come in, and I, I'm just sharing, all right? I don't know how else to do this. I give my phone number the first time I meet them. I'm like, hey, here's my cell phone. You can call me anytime you want. You can text me anytime you want, all right? And I will reach out and begin the first time they come here. I, I, that's just what, if, if it's a man, I don't know, obviously, if it's not a lady. But if it's a man, I've shared numbers. Let's talk. And if that's not reciprocated, like, it can send me like, well, what's, how are we going to grow a church if we can't keep new people that come in, right? And I go through this thing. I have a really hard time with that. <laughs> I just want you to know that this, this thing is not uncommon. And this year's probably been the hardest year um, for any of our lives for mental health. Being locked up, being locked in, being told you can't do things that you normally do, normal life being stripped away from you. And then we're assaulted on television with, with political statements for everything's political and it just begins to wear down. The Bible even says that he would try to wear down the saints. And I feel like, a lot of us have gone through these seasons, especially this year, and it's not, it's very familiar. Matthew tells us that this was going to happen. Matthew 24, verse 3 through 14. I'm just going to read it, but if you want to write it down, it's Matthew 24, verses 3 through 14. And Jesus, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, it's awesome that he was sitting on the Mount of Olives when he's talking about this, because he's going to one day step on that mountain again, right? Now, on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, when will all these things be? When are you going to be the king? When are you going to sit on your throne? They wanted to know. And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age, the end of time? And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. Wow. How interesting that that's his first, the first part of his answer to, hey, when, it, when are you going to come sit on your throne? When are you going to establish the, the throne of David forever, once and for all? When are you going to do this? And he says, be careful that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will deceive many. 
and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. That's pretty common for our day. I won't, go, I won't go there politically, but this is the first time in a four-year span of a presidency that we didn't start a new war somewhere. It's a pretty interesting fact. Like, our, our kids, like, even my age, most of my life we've been at war somewhere in the world, if not multiple wars, because that's just kind of how you, you govern the world now is through war. He says, you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars, but he says, see that you're not troubled by it. <laughs> For all these things must happen, but the end still hasn't come yet. The end is not yet. These signs, all right, listen to me. All the evil, bad things going on in the world right now is not the end. (laughs) Oh, great. Thanks for encouraging us. (laughs) It's not the end, right? It says nation will rise against nation. Oh, it's going to get even worse. Nation will rise against nation. And I know when I was younger, my dad would teach this, that the actual word there is nationality will rise against nationality. In other words, race will rise against race. Well, man, that's where we're at right now. And we can thank those guys up in D.C. for continuing to stir this up. Like, I don't know about you, but I get along pretty well with everyone. Like, I don't make judgments on if I'm nice to someone based on the color of their skin. I wasn't raised like that. I don't think anyone in this room was raised like that. It's just not how we're raised yet. We keep stirring that pot for some reason. Why? Because Jesus said that's what's going to happen. That's the tactic of the enemy to divide people, to divide cultures. We're all one family. What's the the enemy want to do? Break up the family. Destroy the family, right? Kingdom will rise against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places, But these are just the beginning of sorrows. Hey, good news. It's just the beginning of the sorrows. Then he says, they're going to deliver you over for tribulation. Wow. For suffering. Everyone says suffering. And they will kill you. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, Jesus. You'll be hated because of my name. Never in the history of America has Christ, have Christians been hated because they're Christians more than now? Never. Many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And here's where I wanted to go today. You're like, well, this is, this is not the encouraging, hope-filled message that I was hoping to hear. It's, we're going somewhere. This is, this is why we're feeling what we feel. Those moments of gloom, those moments of despair, discouragement, it comes from seeing, the Bible says, because lawlessness or injustice increases, the love of many will grow cold. Because of the injustice that's in our world, many people will become discouraged. Because people get away with breaking the laws and there's no consequences to bad and evil behavior, because they call evil good and good evil, it will cause many people to be discouraged. But he's saying, don't be discouraged in these moments. Don't let your love grow cold. If you will endure until the end, you will be saved. And then he says, here's how the end will come. This is how you'll know it's the end. And the gospel of this kingdom will be preached in all of the world as a witness to every nation. Then the end will come. 
You want to know when Jesus is coming back? When the true representation of his gospel is preached and demonstrated in every nation and in every people group on this planet, then Jesus will come. And I don't mean just the preaching of the gospel. I mean the demonstration of the signs and wonders that comes with the gospel. When we begin to see the church become glorious again, and we begin to see miracles, signs, and wonders, and dead people raised from the dead, and and demons cast out of people, come on, when we begin to see that, and it happens all over the entire planet, then we'll know Jesus is coming back because his bride's getting ready. We're starting to look like him. We're starting to grow into our body. We're starting to mature then we'll know the end's coming. All this other stuff is just noise until then to distract us from becoming the beautiful bride. All these things that I get discouraged about and I start comparing and grading myself on someone else's race, all that does is it keeps me from becoming beautiful in my race. It keeps me from running my race well. You know, when I have these moments and and typically it revolves around, I wanna succeed, I'm a man. I want to succeed in life. How many, how many men, let's just talk to you first. How many men in this room, you want to succeed? You want when the end of your life comes for your sons and your daughters and your wives and those people that are after you say, man, he accomplished something amazing in his life. How many want that? Raise your hand. Come on, man. You want to leave a legacy. And that dri- like, it drives me. And I'll start telling Mandy, but I see this and I see this and I want this and I want that. And she'll say, but God told you to run this race. He didn't ask you to run that race or that race. He called us, and she says this to me often, she quotes this, God didn't call us to be successful. He called us to be obedient. I'm like, that doesn't help me right now, babe. (laughs) It's the truth. It's the truth. God did not call us to be successful. He called us to be obedient. Obedience is the success. This is what pulls me out. When I'm discouraged and I'm like, I'm not doing enough. God, I'm 45 and what have I done in my life? Like, I, that's, I get there and I shouldn't go there. And then the Lord will take me on a journey of obedience. And he'll say, you said yes there. Good job, you know? He'll start doing that. That's, that's how the Lord pulls me out of these seasons. He reminds me of decisions that he and I made together and covenants that we made and vows we made before him. We says, God, you're, you're the love of my life with all my heart for the rest of my life, I'm yours. He reminds me of those moments of obedience. And then he, <laughs> through my wife, tells me I didn't call you to be successful, I called you to be obedient. And if you're obedient, then you will always be successful. Then other people may not re- recognize it. This is what he tells me, other people may not ever see it. You may never get a public pat on the back for that thing. He always says, I keep good records. And I'm the rewarder. Everyone say that God is the rewarder. He's the rewarder. He reminds me of this. But we do live in a world system that tries to avoid suffering. Did you know that many of the the psychology schools and mental mental health study schools have discovered that one of the one of the links to mental illness is the avoidance of pain and suffering that when we live to avoid pain suffering dis- discomfort when we live to avoid that it can lead us into a place of insanity 
But we do live in a world that's like, why would you suffer? Why would you save your money to buy that thing when you can have it today plus 20% on a credit card? Why would you suffer? You can have it now. I want it all. <laughs> like the world, that's the, the virtue of the world system is don't suffer. And because of that, we are filled with, with insanity. We pursue our, our comfort and we pursue a painless life and we don't want to have difficult conversations and we don't want confrontation. Like, man, we live in a world that we can't be confronted at all. It breaks our little feelings. I'm one of the worst. The world's like, why, why have consequences to your decisions? It's injustice. Doing the right thing is expensive. It involves suffering to do the right thing. The world says, don't pay off your debts. Don't pay off student loans. Let's forgive student loans. Yeah, <laughs> the same people that say, let's forgive student loans, well, they didn't know what they were signing when they signed up for those student loans are the same people that are for abortion and letting children become transgendered. Like, don't, don't talk to me about thinking things through. <laughs> Like, yeah, don't, don't suffer consequences. Don't, don't keep your financial promises. It's, just, it's the world that says abortion's merciful to a mom who's too poor to afford a child or just isn't ready to have a child. That's the world. Hey, don't suffer. You shouldn't have to suffer. I think a president said that not too long ago, that he wouldn't want his daughters to suffer with a child if they got pregnant when they're a teenager. Look it up, it was said. I don't want them to suffer. It's, having a child isn't suffering in any situation. Sorry, I've been on that a little bit lately. The world says consequences of the law only apply to the weak, the small, the powerless. Like if you're really powerful, then the laws don't apply to you. You can remove, you can move the words around. You can get lawyers who move the words around so that you're okay. But if you don't have financial backing or power or position or a name, then you don't get the good lawyers that are good at moving words around. You get the, you get the bad lawyers, then you're, you're going down the river. Are you okay? All right, I'm going to keep going. The world says take the shortcuts. You deserve it. Lie, cheat, steal, defraud, do whatever you got to do. Don't suffer. Don't go through pain. But see, the, the Bible says that when we do that, he says, if you try to save your life, if you try to preserve your life, you will lose it. It's Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 8, 34. If you try to preserve your life, you will lose it. Self-preservation. I don't want to be harmed. I don't want to suffer. I'm going to go through this, all right? Cynicism. It's the inclination to believe that people are motivated purely by self-interest. It's an inclination to question whether something will happen or whether it's even worth it. This is, I go there. Pfft, is this even worth it? Those promises you make, God, are they even gonna happen? Am I making this up? Am I crazy? Like, did you really, did you really say that, God? Or am I making, did, was that me just really wanting it so bad that I made it up? Because you couldn't possibly have talked to me then. 
because it doesn't look like what you said then now. The, 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 the equation doesn't even match. <clears throat> Couldn't have been, it had to be me. Yep, it was me. Cynicism. Hopelessness. Y'all know hope is the anticipation or the expectation of good. So hopelessness is the opposite. I expect bad things to happen. Things just aren't going to go my way. I have said so many times doing projects around my house and even here at the church, why does everything have to be so difficult? Everything's so hard. Can't it just be the easy way like they show on the YouTube video how to fix this thing? It's never that for me. <laughs> I don't expect it to go easy, so I get grumpy when I got to do a, a thing. <clears throat> I don't expect good success. Hopelessness also means that we're not susceptible to a remedy or a cure. That's probably the worst part of hopelessness. Someone could come with a cure and when we have no hope, we're like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to help me. It'll probably help everyone else, but I'm the person that won't help. Everyone say the word apathy. Apathy means a lack of interest, a lack of enthusiasm, a lack of concern. Man, I go there too. Like, pff, I just don't care. I don't even care. It doesn't matter. <laughs> anyone else? You know what the word apathy means? It comes from a Greek word that means without suffering. This is another separate message. But Jesus said, if I suffered, you will suffer. And unless you suffer, you cannot be my disciple. And until the church is willing to stand up and suffer for the name of Jesus, we will continue to be full of apathy. Because it's impossible to be on fire and passionate and filled with the life of God without the suffering of Christ. The Bible even says that Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. Jesus himself, the son of God, learned obedience to God and loyalty to his father through the things he suffered. The Bible says no servant is above the master. If Jesus as our master came and was, was put through suffering, then we will also go through suffering. And you know what's happening right now in the church world is we're so afraid to speak the truth because of suffering. Because if we say what's true, then we will be punished in some way. Many churches around the U.S. right now, if they speak the truth, they're shut down. <clears throat> Facebook Live drops their feed. The city comes in and says, you can't meet. And we take it. And the church just sits back and takes it. We were driving on the way this morning, and I'll just go ahead and say this. They're not shutting the mosques down. Did you know that? In all these states where churches aren't allowed to sing and aren't allowed to gather more than five people, socially distanced for every thousand square feet, all those rules don't apply to the mosque. You know why? Oh, because they're prejudicing as Christians. Maybe. Because the people in the mosque won't put up with it. Pfft, you're not going to come tell us we can't worship. 
our God's law is higher than man's laws. That's what they believe. They, they believe that. We are supposed to believe that too. I mean, how many times did the apostles and disciples get in trouble in Acts and say, hey, you can judge for yourself whether or not this thing is right or wrong, but we can only do what we've seen and heard. And we will only obey God. Now, you can punish us if you want to, but we're going to obey God. And there is such an apathy in the church because we're so afraid to suffer for the name of Jesus. That's the only way we're really disciples is if we're out there on the front lines proclaiming the gospel until the world says, we hate you because of Jesus. Are y'all, are y'all okay? This is the truth. Without suffering, nothing has value or meaning. How many of you have ever done a project with your kids at home that they built themselves or made themselves? Like it creates a value for that thing that it, we could have gone out and bought that. Like I've, I've made this little address thing for our house. I could have gone out and bought it, but I wanted to make it myself. I wanted to cut the wood. I wanted to stain the wood the color that I want. I wanted to place the letters on there exactly the way I wanted to. And I feel so much more, even though a little, I'm not gonna say, it could be better. <laughs> it was a prototype, but I made it. So it's more valuable to me because I suffered to make it. Jesus said we would suffer because he suffered and in suffering for him, we would find life. The disciples found such life that when they were persecuted for Jesus' name, they came back running, celebrating as if they won the lottery. Jesus, we count, we love it that we've been persecuted because of Jesus. They were celebrating that. And we run from it. The Bible says, do not grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary if you suffer for doing good because in due season, if you faint not, you will reap a harvest. Come on. Okay, I said all that because this culture has crept into the church, and it is part of why many of us, me, again, this is for me, why many of us struggle with depression, discouragement, and apathy, and cynicism. This right here, all of this. Psalm 27, he says, I would have distressed if I didn't know that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Oh, that whole psalm is my, one of my favorites. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? It goes on. And then one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible it says, you said, seek my face. And my heart cried back to you. Oh Lord, I will seek your face. Your face, I will see. I love this psalm. And then it ends up with, I would have distressed because of all of my enemies, but I knew I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living, that my enemies would not triumph over me, but I would stand in a promised land and see the goodness of God. That's where we have to go right now. All right, I wanna run through some things, some cures really quick, all right? If you are like me and you struggle occasionally with these blue thoughts, gloomy thoughts, here we go. First thing we have to do is repent for imagining the past, the present, or the future without God. I can't imagine any part of my life without God there. I do that, then I'm absolutely gonna go down a depression. 
Number two, get in the word. I'm gonna say this, like we gotta get back in the word. We gotta know the word inside and out so that we can think what he thinks and see what he sees, amen? That's why we read the word, not to understand it. We read it so that we can think the way he thinks and see what he sees. And from that comes understanding, amen? got to praise and worship. That's the hardest thing to do when you're discouraged. Worship, I can maybe get into. Like, okay, God, you are awesome. I'm struggling right now, but you're so awesome. Like, I can do that. But praising, God, you're victorious. You're the lion. You win every battle. You never lose. Like, that's a lot harder. That's harder. But we got to do those things. I'm going through quick. Number four, we have to remember. Remember your testimony. Remember what God has done. Remember the moments of obedience. Remember the prophecies over your life. That's a hard one for me to do when I'm down. Like, I don't want to rehearse these things. These are the things that made me depressed in the first place. (laughs) Anyway, is that just me? You have to rest. Rest your mind from problem solving. Rest your body from labor. The Bible says to work while it's day, but you rest at the night. It was the daytime of the night. (laughs) Work while it's day, but rest at night. Amen? Set an earlier bedtime. Awake earlier. Eat better. Ah, That's the hardest one. Did you know food can actually affect our moods? Big time. I, I don't... I know Lance is like, yeah, absolutely. I can show you all the science behind it. Lance and Monica are like, it's true. Like sugar will do this to you and this. It's true. So we should all do better, right? Don't eat too much. Don't overdrink if you drink. Like these are common sense things, right? But it's hard. Make, make fun and laughter a daily priority. Let me ask this. When's the last time any of us had fun? <laughs> we need to have fun more often, right? Laugh more. I got just three more, quick. Serve another person, either in a deed or with an encouraging word. That one's, that one's easy for me because I, I acts of service, man. I, I, and, but that will pull me out of depression sometimes by serving someone else and doing something for someone else and finding, finding what God is saying over them and encouraging them, all of a sudden, it pulls me out of this. And I'm like, okay, God, that feels really good to give it away. Amen? Mark a task off of your to-do list. You're like, well, that's, that's okay. I promise you, it's spiritual. How many in here are task-oriented people? You like the, the checklist, man. It feels like, look, I'm a, I'm a list maker. I make my list, and I have to get something off that list done. Even if it's stupid, buy a new pack of gum. It's on the list so that when I do it, I feel good for doing it. it there is something spiritual about it, about stewarding and doing things that we're supposed to do. Do a project around the house. Something that you, we've complained, wow, that door is squeaking forever. Fix the door. Do, do that. It, it's, there's something spiritual on it. Find something for a win. And last, you have to create consistent community. You cannot be alone. Like, well, 
it, it's better that I'm alone. This is what I'm, I'm learning. It's better for me to be ugly around people than ugly by myself. It's actually better for Jared to be ugly around people than by himself. First of all, Jared, when he's ugly, will pat Jared on the back and say, it's okay to be ugly. But Jared, ugly around other people, they're like, hey, dude, knock it off. You suck right now. What is wrong with you? You are not fun. Go to your room until you're fun to be with. No, don't send me to my room. (laughs) Let me stay out here with the living. Seriously, it's better to be in community and to let people in let people say, this is, this is a life lesson for me to learn. I'm learning this, learning this, learning this. Amen. All right, I meandered. All right, I hope you got something out of this. But I do know that if you're here and you've been struggling for a long season with this, it ends today. It's over. I'm going to be very bold. How do I say it? I'll do it privately. All right. Once you stand. Two weeks ago, if you asked me, Jared, are you a happy go lucky guy? You're pretty even killed. I'd be like, yeah, dude, I'm always in a good mood. I'm nice, I'm fun to be around, I'm optimistic. None of that was true. (laughs) Not all the time, right? Who wants to be free? Come on. I want to be free from this. I don't want to let my emotions, God, I don't want my emotions and my sensitive nature to rule me. I don't want comparison to rule me, God. I don't want fear to rule my life, God. God, we drive out all discouragement right now in Jesus' name. We drive out depression right now in Jesus' name. You are not welcome in this house. You are not welcome in anyone in this church. You are not welcome in our family. Depression, you must go in the name of Jesus. You are our glory, God, and the lifter of our head. And I ask right now that you would lift up the heads of those that are lowly, have been struggling, Lord, that one or two or 10 that have been going through this for a long season, it ends now in Jesus' name. We speak joy and life. God, I ask that you would forgive us for imagining any moment of our life without you there. Help us to see what you see. Would you pray that, God, help me to see what you see. Help me to think what you think about life. Would you declare this over your family? There is no problem. 
in me or my family that does not have a solution. And Jesus wants to tell me the solution. He's not hiding it from me. It's not a mirage. God doesn't hide things from us. You've heard it. He hides things for us. And God, I ask that you would lift the heavy burden. Some of you, it's because you've carried a heavy burden. God, we release them from that heavy burden. It's not even ours. You said your yoke is easy and your burden is light. So we cast off this burden that's not yours and we give it to you, Jesus. You have big shoulders. (laughs) You can handle it. You said the government would be on your shoulders. So we lay it at your feet right now. And we will not become weary. Say that out loud. I will not grow weary. Say it again. I will not grow weary in doing good. If I must suffer, say, if I must suffer, I will suffer for the Lord. Because we're going to suffer one way or the other. All right, everybody? You got that? Either it's the, it's the really bad things and the tribulation stuff, or we can suffer for Jesus. I'm suffering for Jesus. Last thing, and I'll hand it off for Hank to close it. Don't do this alone, okay? Have the conversation with your spouse. Have the conversation with your family. Have the conversation with your son, your best friend, and then bring more people into the conversation. Let them be around you when you're going through this moment. Don't hide, please. Don't hide in these moments, It's good to get kicked in the rear by friends. It is. (laughs) Amen. Thanks, Hank. Thanks, sir. That's so good. Um, Gosh, yeah, you have to, I mean, just recognize this is we're at war. <laughs> the the world and Satan is it's just an onslaught, an onslaught, and it, it, it's heavy. It is. It's so heavy. You can. I mean, I don't know, but it's I, the 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 picture I got in my head, and uh, you know, during worship, which is just, it, it's I don't know, God is so good. Um, is uh, back in the old days, people would come across from Europe or whatever to America, and a lot of times they would see, they get to see the Statue of Liberty. I mean, like, just they just imagine being that person who left uh, a place of famine, a place of, uh, of, of war-torn country, like your, your life had been that, and finally you get to come across, and you're on this boat ride, and you finally, you look up, and you see this, this statue. <laughs> you're like, just imagine the weight that lifts off these people. Obviously, America. I mean, like they got off the boat, and it was it was you know it was a little different. But 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 just but just that that idea of freedom. And imagine which I bet they wish they had cell phones back then, and, and start telling everyone back in Europe, back, hey, we're free, we're free, and God wants to give that to you. And with the spirit of the Lord, there's freedom. The feeling that they got was just a sliver of what God wants to offer you. 
We can be in the midst of famine. We can be in the midst of war and still be totally free. You can become a Statue of Liberty for those who are around you, who go, why are you free? They may not say it that way, but they, I mean, they see something in you. And I don't know. I just, that the Lord wants, like you said, there's something specific that like, he wants to unlock you from something. And um, so I want to invite you guys uh, to do that. I mean, this, this, God will do it in an instant and he'll also do it as a process. Like he'll, like, I mean, so if you're not sure which one it is, go for it. <laughs> go for the instant stuff. And if he wants to lead you through the process of, of being set free from heaviness and depression, like I, I literally imagine like at some point it gets so heavy that you, <laughs> I imagine like a, like a fish, you just kind of flop yourself in the light of God. Like you don't even know what to do. You're just like, I'm just gonna just like sort of inch myself over to some kind of light, do anything, get around, get around people. Just get around somebody who knows Jesus just a little bit and it rubs off. It does. It sets you free. And so, um, I don't know, like even this whole, I'm sorry to kind of go on here, but like this people can't, I can't wait till 2021 kind of thing. Like you really think a date is going to change the world? <laughs> it's like really Jesus changes everything. Jesus, like, it's like, I don't know. Like, like it was kind of funny. I, I, I don't know. You know, that you have seen the picture of the of the dumpster with 2020 in it on fire, kind of deal, you know, whatever. That's, I, I saw that as a Christmas decoration yesterday. They had a, literally had a dumpster in front of their house with decorations. But like, they think that the date 2020 is evil. I was like, what if we lost our minds? I mean, it, as Jared read off, Jesus says, it gets worse, people. <laughs> but we can be, we can be, we can find the life in Jesus. We can be the life around people. And, and so let's just shake off the dust. I literally just picture us just walking in from the snow and just, just shaking the, the snow off and the coldness off and being like, no, just say no. Like I want life, freedom, literal like liberty. He proclaims freedom to the captives. And in some way, form, or fashion, we are brokenhearted in our captives. We can be totally set free. And so uh, I, I invite you to that. If this today, if, you're, if this registers with you at all, come get some prayer. Um, just come on up. I mean, just get, what do you lose? You know, get some prayer. Maybe this could be an instant thing where it just lifts off you and you're like, whoa, something just happened. And have hope. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, so Alt Ministry, if y'all guys want to come up, uh, we love you guys. I bless you. Again, you can be set free. Um, I mean, it's Christmas time. I, I mean, I love this story. Read, read the story of Jesus coming in Revelation rather than, you know, Matthew in the beginning of, you know, Jesus comes up with this little tiny baby. No, no, read the Revelation version. It is like D-Day. He comes on an invasion to rescue us from, from darkness and dragons. And all that. like, it is, it's hardcore. And you're like, He's coming. He wants to rescue you and set you free. And so um, we love you guys. Uh, we bless you. Have a fantastic week. And again, come up and get some prayer. And um, yeah, get near somebody. Flop yourself around somebody who to just, just, to, just to shake off the, the dust. So we love you guys. Bless you. And uh, have a good day.